0: Hello everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you.
1: Good morning, Dr. Paul, how are you this morning? Good, good. Yeah, yeah.
0: And all set to go. Yes. And there seems like there were a lot of events. Uh, World War III didn't break out. Not yet, uh, we're getting there. We saw a few more seeds planted. Yeah. And can you believe that our side would be planting seeds for potential war? (laughs) It's you know, that means, that, that, means that we're un American. Yeah. That's what somebody was say. If we
1: oppose it, yeah. But,
0: uh, you, you know, uh, my definition, probably stole it from somebody else, is that. Uh, It's only the people that are willing to challenge their own government when they're doing the wrong thing are the real patriots. And we have a bunch of them out there, and they're willing to, and they see the truth. But it's been a challenge, especially when things become overwhelming in the sense that uh, even when the bad guy gets trapped, (laughs) you'd think they'd have enough brains to just back off, but now they just come back harder core than ever and noisier than ever i, I think maybe they're talking to themselves to to, uh, to prove to themselves that they really are the good guys and i think of them convince themselves that the way they act they, yeah. they believe they're you know the omnipotent kind. but anyway I want to follow up on uh on on what uh, uh, the White House generally it does, uh, and the government does, but the White House in particular now promotes the promoting the limits on the First Amendment. Yeah, you know, when I left Congress last time, that was so many years ago, <laughs> six years ago or so. That uh, one comment I made in there in warning people about what needs to be done, that one of the greatest threats would be in, in, in infringement of the First Amendment. Yeah believing that ideas have consequence. If people can get together and speak out and uh, not be punished for it, that uh, we have a real good chance. But uh, the fact that uh, I believe uh, where there is more infringement than there has been probably in our history, it's still, it's still not a final blow because uh, there's been cultures around the world that uh, have infringed the uh, uh, right to express oneself. And uh, unfortunately, painfully, they get over it. And right now, we're in the midst of uh, the government becoming more authoritarian, more believing that they dictate to us. COVID, that monstrosity has, has uh, really produced a lot of attacks. Uh, but it's automatic that during wartime that you take away civil liberties and you can't say certain things. And certainly after, after uh, 9-11, that was the case. And uh, and now you've got to be careful about even uh, the Republicans can discuss this little thing that we, we discussed for a long time, and that is, uh, you, you know, how we maneuver ourselves in a certain way that we're moving ourselves to conflict. And now there's a little debate going on about uh, uh, who, who are the patriots when it comes to uh, how we handle Ukraine. And I have my ideas about who the real patriots are. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we're seeing more and more attention to this press conference yesterday when Jen Psaki was asked by one of the uh, reporters, uh, what do you think about Spotify agreeing to put labels on some of their podcasts, including Joe Rogan's, when he talks about things that aren't accepted opinion? And let's put up that first clip. This is from The Independent. Um, Psaki said, yeah, that's a pretty good idea, but more can be done. This is the spokesman for the White House, for the president. More can be done. And let's look at the next one. This is the Daily Mail. They always capture the headlines. Good. White House urges Spotify to do more to, quote, combat misinformation. After adding warnings amid Joe Rogan backlash, Saki says disclaimer is a positive first step, but urges social media and (coughs) news to be more vigilant. Now, this is the closest we've gotten because, you know, we've struggled with this concept for a while now. Because on the one hand, you'll see a lot of people, and especially a lot of libertarians, saying, these are private companies, they can do what they want, you can't You can't suggest that they can do this and that. But on the other hand, you have the government telling them, okay, we can drag you down before Congress, we can do all sorts of things to you um, if you don't do what we say. So at this point, what we're seeing from the very highest level, from the president's own spokesperson, she is urging a quote-unquote private company to engage in censorship and First Amendment restrictions. Yeah,
0: they're, they're hiding behind the technicality, but they're trying to make one step removed. They're not really the criminals in here. And, and they've done that a lot, uh, not just for speech, but for action, you know, whether or not you're going to lock down and keep the people and close your business down, fire the people that uh, aren't doing what the government wants. And uh, they, they have, uh, I know there was a time when we haven't thought thought it through completely. The temptation was there, you know, to say, you know, we have to protect the private industries. But here, not realizing that this was a major deal in moving toward not only corporatism but to a fascist state where business people become allies of the government, and certainly uh, the um, medical industry became allies of the government with with lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So that, and that is that is uh, bringing the two together, and uh, so people have to be cautious. And a lot of a lot of people will give up on it and say, "Well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 private, and we won't do it," believing that uh, there there that's purity. But when the government coerces and pressures and threatens, and they can close you down and lock you down and fire people and cause the chaos that has occurred in our uh in our streets around around the country and uh, what's going on now, then you can't say, well no no, the government has nothing to do with it. Yes, the government has a lot to do with it because they're uh, you know they're in partnerships with with big business, and big give them business. A lot of times uh, there's a lot of good people there. They say, what can I do? Yeah. You know, what can I do? Can I, should I get, just throw my business to the wind and all this and I'll try and get better people in. So I don't think I condemn everybody that's uh, you know is involved because they have some pretty strong arguments about uh, this is difficult you know for them to uh, just just give in and uh, and and walk away from what they're trying to do
1: yeah well you know Glenn Greenwald is one of the greatest spokespersons (coughs) in opposition to censorship of all kinds he doesn't care if he agrees with it if he hates it he's a true progressive a true liberal in the best sense of the word and he, as can be expected, had a great take on this. And this is that bonus clip, if you wouldn't mind getting that queued up and putting it up. This is a tweet that I think he just put out uh, this morning, actually just before we started the show. But he captures, I think, perfectly the essence of what's going on. If we can get that bonus clip uh, up here. I made it late and sent it out late because uh, I thought it was important enough to the conversation. Um, it's the second thing I sent. But there isn't, here we go, here's Greenwald. Uh, He's talking about the independent article saying White House urges Spotify to take further action on Joe Rogan. Glenn Greenwald's take. There is a long line of clear case law, including from the Supreme Court, holding that the First Amendment's free speech clause is violated when state officials pressure or coerce private actors to censor them. I think certainly there's an implied threat from Saki here. Yeah,
0: and that is, and it's a powerful threat. When you think about the bigger the government is, the more regulations there are, the more taxations uh, that are going on, there's a lot of way of punishing. And and I've tried to expose and talk about, because others have uh, revealed, uh, there's a grand collusion with big business and the Federal Reserve. And everybody thinks the Federal Reserve is a very legitimate uh, function of government. You couldn't exist without it, but uh, you know the, the power there. When you're looking, what, what was the announcement today? That the national has up to thirty, thirty trillion. That's all. <laughs> they can't do any of that without the Federal Reserve. So they have to accommodate, and uh, they, it's it, it's it's not uh, it's not free markets. It's not libertarianism for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I sort of wonder when I hear Saki telling, you know, on behalf of the White House, you need to do more. To me, it doesn't sound like their position is one of strength. It almost sounds like weakness, don't you think? I mean, they're so afraid of any alternate voice creeping into the narrative. It doesn't have the power uh, to convey, uh, you know, the narrative. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, there's an old saying, the Streisand effect, and it had to do with something, the singer Barbara Streisand tried to get something taken down. And, of course, that drew everyone's attention to it. And I almost think that this whole Rogan thing now is a Streisand effect. Maybe Rogan should send a thank you note to the White House for doing this <laughs> because I think he's going to be bigger than ever. He's Of course, he's the biggest podcaster, the biggest broadca- single broadcaster in the entire world. Um, but I, I wonder what will happen. A lot of people on, on Twitter have also talked about, okay, say Spotify you know cancels him. They're going to have to pay out his contract. He's going to have a pocket full of money, and he'll have the option of setting up a platform that can reach many many more people and he'll have a renewed interest because it's now the forbidden fruit so they're really shooting themselves in the foot by trying to censor him
0: i'm going to quote somebody from a very unusual source uh, this is, oh, Daniel McAvoy. Oh no. And uh, you wrote me a little <coughs> note as we were discussing what we were about to do, and and I there, there was one sentence in there that I thought was very important, and um, you, you you can expand on this <laughs> or deny it or whatever you want. Uh oh. No, he says just like Ukraine, there the, the the bad guys, their Achilles heel is that they are so overly confident in themselves, they don't understand when uh, when they've pushed it too far. Is, is there any uh, balance to that or you stand by what you're saying? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they don't. I mean, they don't have a sense of it. And it's now so grotesque, the idea that you're going to silence the most... Po- they can silence little podcasters. They can, you know, PayPal can knock people off their platforms and this and that and the other. But when you silence someone so big, I think you've overstepped your... You know yeah. your strength
0: and then you mix in a little bit of ignorance inside yeah. of that too and they get away with uh, things they shouldn't be getting away in a free society so shall we go on to talk yeah. about i was going to say about... ignorance
1: is the perfect segue to the next segment
0: <laughs> now we're, <coughs> we're going to talk about an individual a neighbor a, a, a neighbor prime <coughs> minister and uh he's been pushed a little bit too yeah. maybe yeah. it it's fits into that category well the Prime Minister, we're going to talk about shortly, because we've talked about him before. Maybe yeah. people are trying tired of hearing about him. But i tell you what, some of the uh, information that people are hearing about it is serving our cause, yeah. of finding, uh, seeking out truth, because more Canadians are writing to us and they are speaking out. They're going on convoys and things. Yeah. A couple here and there, you know, <laughs> adding up to quite a few people. Yeah. But... Uh, he, he, but Trudeau uh, is uh, is now really buckling down and saying nasty things. So yeah, I I, just, I don't know if you have that quote there, we, but this is just horrible.
1: We do have the clip, and you know, yesterday we were saying, you know, he, he he got in trouble for calling essentially calling all these truckers Nazis. I mean, these are millions of people. Uh, <laughs> I spent a lot of time yesterday just watching some press conferences of the truckers, looking at the different protests, and you know, they here's what they did, Dr. Paul. I know this is going to shock you. These horrible truckers, they were playing hockey in front of the Capitol in the <laughs> streets. So. But instead of backing off and realizing how much of his foot is in his mouth, he actually doubled down and put the other foot in his mouth, which I think is almost physically impossible, but he managed to do it with this tweet that came out yesterday. He said, today in the House, members of parliament unanimously condemned the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, <laughs> anti-black racism homophobia and transphobia that we've seen on display in Ottawa over the past number of days. Together, let's keep to working to make Canada more inclusive. Like where? What is he doing? Is he watching some show somewhere? Where is he seeing these things? Where is homophobia, transphobia? Anti- there are a lot of, of, of black people that are involved in participating. In fact, I saw one holding up a sign saying, am I a white supremacist? <laughs> do yeah. Where think, does he get this from? Do
0: you think this will uh, promote inclusiveness? Inclusiveness, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> by, by, by doing that. But you know what came to my mind when I saw <clears throat> saw this was something that goes on. It is a projection. You know, when when an individual is is guilty and knows about an in their public figure, uh, it's never been as bad as it is now. What they do is they purposely Flip it around and take the exact things they're guilty of yeah. and throw it on. And they did it. They did it pretty well for Trump. And we don't Trump. We don't trump Trump. Yeah. We don't defend Trump on a lot of his stuff. Yeah. But, but really, when you look at Russia, gay, and, and this stuff, uh, well, this stuff that's going on, uh, you know, on January sixth. Uh, and, and, but but uh, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the rest—they they are the individuals that uh, have committed, as far as I'm concerned, many infractions. But they they get, get away with it, and they have been able to get away with it. And I think. Uh, addressing it just being knowledgeable and realizing this that people have to wake up because some people say it's the government you know we can we can uh, condemn the government yeah. why why can't we if they're committing serious crimes <laughs> yeah i think at least that is a it's a, it's a Purposeful way of trying to call attention to some of the things that are going on in this country, but that that, that happens so much, and he's he's trying to project everything. He must be, if, if my theory is right, deep down in his heart, he must support all, all of this. these things. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know what I think. What I think about when I see him coming out of his hiding hovel and making these increasingly outrageous statements, disconnected with reality, it really reminds me of Nikolai Ceausescu in December of 1989. You know, he was in Timashwara and he came out and he started giving a speech to his the masses of people gathered there. And it was a cold, snowy day and he started speaking and saying as usual, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden someone booed. And then a few people booed. And then more people booed. And then the whole thing came falling down for Ceausescu. And I wouldn't want his end on Trudeau, of course. But the whole thing came falling down because he, he was so out of touch he couldn't stand even a little bit of criticism. And there are some parallels here, I think.
0: And the modern approach of that is a convoy. Yeah,
1: convoy. <laughs> peaceful convoy, which scares them. Uh, okay. well, let's move on to something less pe- uh, peaceful. And we saw this on Zero Hedge. They get uh, the credit for, for finding this. Uh, but let's put up this next clip. Illinois Democrat representative calls for quarantine to observe those refusing vaccines. So... She wants to build some camps, I think.
0: Yeah, you know, here it is. Um, the people who took the vaccines, they're they're heroes. The people who didn't take it, you know, are, are the really bad people. And, uh, but if you had it and you're working within the system, you get punished, you get locked up, you go into quarantine, and now it's being discovered that probably didn't do any good, you know, mm-hmm. of, of all that kind of stuff. So what do they do? They've run out of people to lock lock up, you know, for this stuff. So they're going to people uh, who merely are saying, "I don't want the shot," and, and they're going to quarantine them. Um, they ought to change at least have the courtesy of changing the word because because th- these people aren't going to spread a disease. And if your darn stuff works, if you're if your mask works and your shots work, why are you so hysterical about somebody that probably has natural immunity and there's no evidence that they're spreading the disease compared to the people who have already had the shots? Some of the studies showed if you had the shot, you're more likely to spread them because there's a buildup of virus.
1: It also shows maybe she didn't get the memo, you know, but this whole idea that we're going to go fool Australia now uh, is pretty unlikely and especially because Alex Berenson, who's been so good about this the whole time, he just put out a, a new update on his site, on his substack, uh, uh, citing a new poll released yesterday on, or Monday from Monmouth University showing that seven in 10 Americans, 70% of Americans agree with the statement that it's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with their lives. So poor old Deb, let's put her up, let's put that next clip up uh, of Deb. Here's Deb and I, I didn't put her phone numbers on because I don't wanna give this woman a hard time. She's got the Karen cut and she her name is Deb and she's very behind the times when she wants to force people to go into camps because they can't or won't, or for whatever reason, take the medications that Deb thinks they should take?
0: You, you know, there is a mixed deal here because um, yes, yes, uh, some of this stuff is here to stay, the virus is here to stay, the colds are here to stay, but there's also people who are chanting now all the regulations that they used that didn't accomplish anything, it didn't save lives. They're here to stay too. Yeah, it, it's sort of like what happened on after 9/11 that they had prepared before 9/11 even occurred. You know, the Patriot Act. It that wasn't created by by the attack on 9/11, but it was uh, something. There'll be a day, and we're going to take advantage of a crisis, and that's what they're doing. So, but but the COVID will be here to stay or something similar to it. And uh, the rejection of natural immunity and a condemnation of people who believe in it. And I, I, I just wish the, the, there would be more professors. You know, we have, a, well, their numbers are growing and there's more speaking out, but that's really where we have to answer this. People who have run these departments have taught medical students. So many doctors in practice believe in natural immunity. You know, and, and the, the weaker the community is, and the poorer the community is, uh, the more natural it is to fall in, in place because it's a good medical approach and people who, uh, you know, get immunity that way is fine. It's sort of the other thing that is close to this is the overuse of antibiotics, you know, and and that's a mixed bag because patients demand it and pharmaceutical companies demand it. They're always looking for it. But, you know, the the drugs that are uh, available, ivermectin and hydroxy, uh, the the pharmacist know how to make it. It's been made, it's been around a long time. But you know what, it's cheap.
1: Yeah, that's the problem.
0: Boy, you don't want to mess with that, messing around with profits. Yeah, that's (laughs) good.
1: Well, uh, our last piece for the day is really fascinating, and it's it's around everywhere. This is the one we took from the Daily Wire. We can put that next uh, piece up, the next clip up. Johns Hopkins study. Lockdowns had, quote, little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality, but had devastating effects on society. And it's, uh, it's a study that they conducted, Johns Hopkins, studies in applied economics, and what they did, and without getting too far into the weeds, they basically did a study of, uh, of the um, non-pharmaceutical interventions that were taken, and they categorized them according to how stringent and strict they were, and then they, they boiled it all down, and they looked and they found out that basically it had little to zero effect on saving people's lives from the particular virus from COVID, but they had enormous effects on destroying many, many, many lives because of the say unintended consequences. So it's a big deal. It's the first of this kind that I've seen that really took a look, were these things useful at all? No, they were not only not useful, they were massively counterproductive.
0: You know, there are conditions where restrictions and even a mask uh, uh, is justifiable. And it's not like somebody has one answer for this, oh yes, everybody wear a mask or nobody wears a mask, well, uh, you know, there's an easy solution with this. How about volunteerism? What about people? making a decision for themselves what what if what if uh, there's a coalition between patients and doctors and uh, if they get bad information change your doctor Uh, but you can't change your government overnight (laughs) and you can't change you know the farm the power of the pharmaceutical industry so that's what that's where the problem is but the system that we're talking about allows variation you know uh there certainly we've never once preached here that don't ever take a vaccine vaccines kill you you know that's not not even a position it's just trying to come up with some common sense and even if you don't know the answer you have a problem and you're making a decision who's best able to solve problem as far as i'm concerned individuals are people whose lives are at stake and they do it voluntarily uh and uh You know, in a free society, information spreads quickly. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of medical information. I'm fascinated with the medical information that, uh, that I found very sound but I learned it from my grandmother, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's, a, unfortunately, there's fortunately a lot of that, but if that happens to be natural immunity, uh, your grandmother's advice might not uh, might, might be safe to give anymore. <laughs> so go
1: to the gulag. Well, here's a couple of quotes from the study itself, and this is from the, again, the Daily Wire, quoting the Johns Hopkins study. If we can put up that next clip if we get a chance, and this, it's a lot to read, but I just want to do a couple of them. Um, uh, let me see, okay. Allow us to broaden our perspective after presenting our meta-analysis that focuses on the following question. What does the evidence tell us about the effects of lockdowns on mortality? We provide a firm answer to this question. The evidence fails to confirm that lockdowns have a significant effect in reducing COVID-19 mortality. The effect is little to none. The use of lockdowns is a unique feature of COVID-19 pandemic. Lockdowns have not been used to such a large extent, large extent during any of the pandemics of the past century. And let's do the next one. I know this is a long segment, but I think it's worth repeating. However, lockdowns during the initial phase of COVID-19 pandemic have had devastating effects. They have contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. These costs to society must be compared to the benefits of lockdowns, which our meta-analysis has shown are marginal at best. Such a standard benefit-cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument.
0: You know, everything you said is logical and I can't imagine many people saying no. We uh, we we don't endorse it, or we shouldn't be allowed to hear it. But uh, that's that, that to me is uh, the the problem. Is is if you say or in practice what you say, you can lose a lot. Yeah, and that's what this whole speech movement is all about. It's so destructive. And uh, we need more Glenn Greenwalds, honestly, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, in in our universities. Of course, I don't think we're going to get the professors in the universities I'd like to see. Uh, I think the universities have sort of lost their way yeah. in, in many ways. But uh, at least they have to be out there in this day and age uh you know the internet and the internet's been giving us a service there but now the internet has been turned into a police uh, a tool of the police uh, for for freedom of speech yeah. so that's where the problem is so it's going to have to be up to the individual to look at this and uh, and make a decision, but that's the way it's always been. You you have to decide uh, whom you're going to believe, and uh, that's a, that's not an easy job.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna close out, and I'm gonna skip those next two JPEGs and just go to that little video and play 20 seconds of that if we can get that queued up because I want to end on a positive note. We talked a bit about how the convoy idea is so wonderful because it's so applicable, it's so easy to replicate in other, in other circumstances. Well, here's down in Australia, right? This is the gulag down south and the people have caught on down there. If we can queue up and watch. it, Let's watch about 20 seconds of this. This is down in Australia. They're doing their own. They're down here in front of the parliament building doing their own convoy. Let's have a look at this clip if we can. And you can see here the coppers are trying to hassle people but they've set up their uh they've set up their tents, they've set up their barbecues <laughs> and they're not having any of it. Well, I someone co- commented on this and they said a little while later the cops did leave. So strength in numbers, Australians, you're you're doing well. Get some trucks down
0: there. <laughs> get some courage, get some courage and some Don't trucks. Be a lion. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a real lion is what we need. So uh, the U- I'm not done yet. Stuff. I am done. Okay, uh, I'm going to f- finish with a little story here, and this is disappointing because uh, you know there's a town in Pennsylvania called Hershey's, and it's not too far from Gettysburg. So people from Gettysburg we go frequently go to Hershey and take a tour around. It has always had a good reputation yeah and uh and and their their hershey chocolate bars are pretty darn good oh yeah but i'm swearing them off
1: oh no oh now that i
0: hear that that i might not be able to eat hershey Hershey bars anymore Uh hershey tells unvaccinated employees to hit the road pal leave we're tired of you and then they the uh, the report on this showed that they had treated their uh, you, you know workers pretty good, but they, it's back again to this pressure that can be put on these. I I can't believe these individuals who have acted decently over the years and made decent Hershey bars yeah. and would all of a sudden just say well I've, I've been tired I'm tired of being a good guy so I have to do this and, and kick out my employees uh, because you're not doing what the government tells you to do so that's uh, that's not, uh, that's not overly startling, but it's part of a mess that we have and it's disappointing. So if there is a convoy that goes through Pennsylvania, go through Hershey's and tell them I wanna eat Hershey bars, but I'm not gonna eat Hershey bars, as long as uh, they're going to be firing their employees just because they won't take a risky vaccine. So anyway, I do want to thank all our viewers today for tuning in. Uh, we did have a bit of optimism, but a lot of concern, and and like I said, one of my concerns expressed as I left Congress was free expression. If you have free expression, you're a long way to sorting things out to the people. They have to make their decision. But it's very difficult now because it's the contest between what you can hear and what you can say. That makes all the difference in the world, and you can't even have decent debate. So you have people people lined up on two sides You know of this. You have physicians that uh, are on two sides, one Oh well, uh, we we uh, we think natural immunity is very good. Oh no, we hate that. If you say that, you get out of here. We don't want you in our hospital. And uh, is it, crazy have to protect the ability to express ourselves, and they can never use any type of government force to directly impinge on that right, nor use that force to get the corporations to impinge on the rights of those individuals. That would go a long way toward, this, uh, toward the s- system of government where everything should be voluntary by both sides. Believe me, there'd be less fighting if voluntarism was substituted for the coercion that we put up with.